of America. Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on The Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the October 20th edition of the sunny side of sports. As I mentioned on Wednesday's show, a record-tying five players from Nigeria are on National Basketball Association rosters for the 2022-2023 season. They are Josh Akogie of the Phoenix Suns, Precious Achua of the Toronto Raptors, Udoka Azubuike of the Utah Jazz, Chima Moneke of the Sacramento Kings and Chemezie Metu, who also plays for Sacramento. In addition, several NBA players have ties to Nigeria, including Milwaukee Bucks star Giannis Antetokounmpo, who was born in Greece to Nigerian parents. For almost 20 years, the Giants of Africa Foundation has worked to develop the basketball skills of not just young Nigerian players, but boys and girls across Africa. Sharon Alela is the foundation's partnerships and media manager. In an interview with Iron Mike Mbonye, she talked about the foundation's mission and gender balance in its basketball developmental camps. So the initiative uh, is dubbed Built Within, which is a commitment to build 100 basketball courts in Africa. And um, this this came about because of the uh, you know running camps and uh, around the continent for the last 19 years. We, re- we there are places we wanted to go to and there were no basketball courts. But also to grow the game, you need basketball courts on the continent. And to for the long-term plan of the organization, we had to do the one thing that was most important, which was to give the kids a place to play before you can develop the sport. All right, let's talk about the female basketball players uh, who have been part and beneficiaries of your camp and your foundation. Can you give an assessment of how it's been for them, female players, basketball players, since you manage Africa? Do we have potentials amongst these female basketball players? Uh, we ha- we have uh, an initiative which is a 50-50% um, gender balance on our campus. So every time we have, say, 100 campers, 50 of them will be girls. And you'll see now, this, it's the same number of boys and girls everywhere we go. And that's because we recognize that the girls don't get enough chances to play, but also because we want to develop strong leaders in Africa. And sports is one of the tools you use to develop these values of great confidence, uh, you know, and hard work, teamwork. And it's been amazing seeing how this builds the confidence of the girls, keeps them in school. Um, they, ha- they see what equality truly means and have equal opportunities with the boys and that's the only way you can build a continent of equality um, you know, by building your girls because women are truly the backbone of society. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen potentials in some of these uh, female players that uh, have benefited of pastry or foundation? Have you seen potentials in them, you know, as in them playing for clubs, playing for their schools or even 
going up as uh, professional players? Yes, there's a lot of potential, and you can see from where we are now. If you look at the girls, they're, they're, not, um, they're not raw when it comes to basketball. They've definitely been playing basketball before. They're getting a, a fast grasp of the game. And to us, um, we use basketball as a tool, and we recognize that not everyone is going to be an NBA player. But it's a chance for them to, like Godwin said, go to school. You know, we have a lot of sports scholarship for girls. And through basketball, it's changing their lives by having them go to school. Some of them are going into schools that play basketball, giving them two different opportunities. And that's our goal, you know, using basketball as a tool as opposed to not just having a promise of every kid going into the NBA because it's not every kid will end up in the NBA, but they'll be something through this game. What do you think is the potential of young female basketball players from the continent doing very well in the game? The potential is huge, and I'll speak about Nigeria in particular, which is uh, it has so much talent. It has incredible talent. It, we have amazing WNBA players um, who are thriving in the league, and there's more room for the, for such players. There's more room for female players, university players all around the world. There's more room for these players to get into sports careers beyond, into coaching for example. We have NBA coaches here who are coaching both men and women. There's a lot of opportunities for women in the sports world beyond just being a player and that's what we are building here. There's incredible potential for sure. That's Sharon Alela, the partnerships and media manager for the Giants of Africa Foundation. And Sharon spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye in Lagos, Nigeria. Sporty greetings. This is Sharon Alela, the Partnerships and Media Manager for Giants of Africa in Africa. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. I mentioned Josh Akogie of the Phoenix Suns as one of the Nigerian players in the NBA this season. Akogie was on the court for only about four minutes Wednesday night, and he didn't score any points as the Suns made a big second-half comeback to defeat the visiting Dallas Mavericks. The AP's George Tanner reports from the western U.S. city of Phoenix, Arizona. Damian Lee hit a three-point jumper with 9.7 seconds left to lift the Suns to a 107-105 victory over the Mavericks. Lee scored all 11 of his points in the final frame as the Suns battled back from a 22-point deficit early in the third quarter. That's something that, you know, I... I don't want to say I pride myself on, but I'd never, I'd never shy away from is taking those big shots. But, you know, I know people are giving me the credit and, and, you know, the game winning shot and all that. But this was a total team effort. Devin Booker led Phoenix with 28 points and nine assists. To come out and, you know, have a rough first half, rough third quarter, really, you know, still down to start the fourth. You know, I think it showed all of us, even the new guys, um, what you're capable of um, when we stick with it. Luka Doncic topped the Mavs with 35. We just think the game, the game is not the game is done, but we just relax. You know, it's a lot of points. We're gonna get there. We're gonna win. And like I said, we just can't relax. And, you know, it's happened a lot of times, and we can't be blowing leads. You know, and this is the thing we have to work on, and we will for sure. George Tanner, Phoenix. 
Thanks, George. From Phoenix, let's go to Toronto, Canada, where the Toronto Raptors edged the Cleveland Cavaliers 108 to 105 on Wednesday night in the opening game for both NBA teams. The Raptors soared to victory with the help of a big game from their Cameroonian forward, Pascal Siakam, as we hear now from the AP's John Letherby. Pascal Siakam had 23 points and 11 rebounds as Toronto used a furious fourth-quarter comeback to beat the Cavaliers 108-105 at Scotiabank Arena. Gary Trent Jr. added 19 points. It's been in situations like that before where it's win or go home or we need a few stops or we need an edge or a push to get the job done. We've been there, we've done that, so continue to just build on that and continue to go with that. A home side clawed back from an eight-point deficit to start the final 12 minutes. Cleveland's prized off-season acquisition Donovan Mitchell led the way for the visitors and all scorers with 31 points. The one thing about this group, man, like we, we fought and competed. You know, when a man goes down, next guy's stepping up. You know, that's, that's the road to being a good team, a really good team. John Leatherby. Toronto. Sporty greetings. This is Masai Ujiri, the president of Toronto Raptors Basketball, president of Giants of Africa Foundation. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. From Toronto, let's go to New York City, where Zion Williamson returned from a one-year NBA absence and helped power the New Orleans Pelicans past the Brooklyn Nets. The AP's Dave Ferry reports. Zion Williamson returned from his one-year absence to provide 25 points and nine rebounds in the Pelicans' season-opening win over the Nets, 130-108. The top pick in the 2019 draft appeared fully recovered from a broken right foot. Just simply playing the game I love, and I didn't get to play for a long time, just... It was a breath of fresh air. Brandon Ingram contributed 28 points, and C.J. McCollum added 21 for the Pelicans. Kevin Durant led all scorers with 32 points. Ben Simmons took just four shots and scored four points in his Brooklyn debut. I think I was just too excited, honestly. Um, but it was just great to be out there. You know, as a first game, obviously you want to win, but we know the reasons we lost. There was, was multiple reasons we lost, and uh, those are things we can fix. You know, we know that's not us as a team. I think, you know, there's a lot of jitters out there early on, but... It was good to get that one out of the way. I'm Dave Ferry. Hello. This is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. The Voice of America celebrates its 80th year of broadcasting. This VOA historical note, Heather Maxwell, 
is the host of the VOA's longest-running English language program, Music Time in Africa, founded in 1965 by the late great music man, Leo Sarkeesian. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. can tune in some of your favorite VOA programs, including the sunny side of sports, at voaafrica.com. And go to the top of the page. There's a special section on FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. We're now exactly one month away from the kickoff of the International Football Fiesta. The Black Stars of Ghana will be making their fourth World Cup appearance in Qatar. The Black Stars are in Group H, along with Portugal, Uruguay, and South Korea. Ghana will play Portugal November 24th in its first World Cup match in Doha, Qatar. Now, one of the young players to watch in Qatar is 18-year-old Abdul Fatou Isahaku, who scored the goal for Ghana last month in a 1-0 victory over Nicaragua in a friendly international match played in Spain. In this encore sunny side of sports presentation, Yawafusu Larbi tells us more about the talented teenager. Fatah Isahaku's reputation precedes him. Goals, assists, and a sweet left foot. He has become the most exciting youngster the country has seen in recent years. Before he played at the Under-20 Africa Cup of Nations and won with the Black Satellites, he had already captained the Black Starlets at the Wafu Under-17 tournament and had gained remarkable grounds in Ghana's Division I league. Let's roll back the years a bit. Fatal grew up in Nigeria for a little while before his family relocated to Tamale, the capital of the northern region. Fatal Ishahaku grew up in the house behind me. On the streets, he played football when he was young before he made it to the big leagues. His mom tells me he started very early in his incredibly young life and his tough home training and strong religious beliefs are what have kept him on the straight and narrow. Blessed with a blend of technique, vision and power, Fatal rose quickly. Despite his obligations at home, he would eventually take to organized football very easily. The young midfielder was a member of the Tamale Utrecht Colts ranks and was under the watchful eye of the club's overseer, Abu Moro. But after failed attempts, botched moves overseas, and the loss of trust in the system, he moved to join Steadfast Football Club, where the stars began to align. On this patchy grass field in the heart of Tamale, he learned to hone his skills with the Steadfast Football Club. 
Much of what he knows now, he learns under the able tutelage of former Ghana star Mohamed Gago. Many years have passed since Gago wowed Ghanaian football fans on the pitch. A fair bit of Ghanaians, old and young, know who he is and give him the deserved respect. These days, he stands on the sidelines watching his team play. He stands quietly, hands behind his back, looking on pensively and thinking through several tactical tweaks. It is through his system that Fatal Ishahaku got national recognition. Fatal's flair and willingness to express himself was a dose of color in steadfast Doris times. Gago himself started as a young lad and he sees a bit of himself in the young Ishahaku. Fatal is an exceptional player. He's a, he's a God-given talent that he has. Um, you see Fatal play and uh, you remind of yourself of, of uh, I was lucky to be there to watch Abedi Pele when he was uh, still with Real Tamale United when I was a coast team player growing up until I, I caught up with, with, with them a little bit before he, he left. I mean, you, you, you see the replica of Abedi Pele in, in Fatal. His touches, his movements, the speed, the passing, the, the, the awareness, ability of holding on to the ball and doing whatever he wants to do with the ball. I mean, you, you, you can see that in Fatal. My only wish is to see Fatal become the next uh, uh, Ballon d'Or player of, of Africa. Uh, aside from the football, what kind of person is he? Well, Fatal is a very, very uh, sociable kind of a guy. I mean, he, 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 he brings out the excitement in our camp. He, 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 he plays around and he's, he's, he's a, uh, an easygoing kind of a guy that, that I know. And, and to talk of respect, he's someone that is down to earth. And, and he's coming, I, I believe and I know, I, I personally know his father and I know he's coming from a, a very, very humble background. And he's, got, he's gotten a very good parenting as well as uh, the, the bankroller of the club. You know, he, he lived with him. So I think Fatal is, uh, is, 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 a, is an easygoing guy. Fatal is the youth star of the North. And like many before him, he is adored in the city of Tamale and its adjoining towns. His teammates talk of a boy who's obsessed by the game and always has a ball with him. I think Fatal Isaku is a definition of football itself. Because looking at the talent Fatal Isaku is having, it's, in, it's unimaginable. I think he's gifted. To me, I can compare him to Lionel Messi. Because looking at how Fatal Isaku is, words can describe the talent he's having. To me. Fatau's presence with the Black Stars will, will, will give us a, a, a morale booster. You know, Fatau is a such player that when you give him one second, he will punish you. Fatau Isaku is a cool person. He's an entertainer <laughs> because during when he was staying with us, when we come to camp, he will give us some motivation in camp. Uh, I don't think he's a kind of person who takes himself to be a high-level person, but he's just a cool guy, just like normal human beings. He's very cool and he's very entertaining. His inclusion in the Black Stars has excited many. When I see him, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed about whatever he's doing in the, in the pitch. Yeah. Because for the board, yeah, everybody knew what he's, what he's doing. Yeah. 
So we are impressed. His attitude to the game is the thread which binds the many stages of his young life. A testimony as to the caliber of player he is. He is dedicated, loyal, humble and loved by many. For the sunny side of sports, this is Yalfusulabi in Accra. Thanks, Yao. A recent study suggests breaching the 1.5 degrees Celsius limit above pre-industrial global temperatures could trigger a series of tipping points that may lead to irreversible changes to our climate system. Hello, I'm Rick Pantaleo. Study lead author David McKay joins me to talk about the consequences of setting off these tipping points. Listen Saturday and Sunday to the Science Edition of Press Conference USA on The Voice of America. Thanks, Rick. I'm VOA Sonny Young, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Here in the USA, the Houston Astros and the San Diego Padres both won at home Wednesday night in the Major League Baseball playoffs. We'll have reports from Houston, Texas and San Diego, California. And we begin with the AP's Adam Spillane in Houston. Justin Verlander allowed one run over six innings as the Astros took game one of the ALCS, beating the Yankees 4-2. to two. Verlander struck out 11, and he retired the last 11 men that he faced. Getting out on a, on a, on a good note and, and winning that first one is, uh, you know, you kind of keep the momentum going after we also had a few days off. It's nice to, to get back in the flow of the game and, 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 and win one. Chas McCormick, Yuli Goriel, and Jeremy Pena hit home runs for the Astros, and Pena collected three hits. Harrison Bader and Anthony Rizzo went deep for the Yankees. Adam Spillane, Houston. Thanks, Adam. Now let's go to San Diego, California, where the San Diego Padres even the National League Championship Series at one game each with a victory over the Philadelphia Phillies. The AP's Philip Gahn reports from San Diego. The San Diego Padres rallied from four runs down to defeat the Philadelphia Phillies 8-5 to to even up the National League Championship Series at a game apiece. Josh Bell and Brandon Drury combined to go 5-8 for eight with five RBIs and a home run each as the Padres chased Phillies starter Aaron Nola with a five-run fifth inning. Drury never lost faith that San Diego had what it took to come back. He facing a guy like Nola, but at the same time, you know, this team doesn't quit. So I, I believe that we could come back the whole time. Blake Snell shook off a rough second inning to toss five innings for the win, while Nola took the loss going four and two-thirds innings, allowing six runs on seven hits. Philip Gone, San Diego. Thanks, Philip. For those keeping score, I've been to San Diego only once in my life, about 30 years ago with my family. San Diego is a beautiful city, lovely climate, and I remember visiting SeaWorld San Diego to check out those sea lions and dolphins. And yes, it was a great visit to SeaWorld. And the city also home to the Padres and several other professional sports teams in Southern California. Now let's go to Auckland, New Zealand where the 2023 Women's World Cup draw will be held on Saturday. New Zealand co-hosting next year's Women's Football Jamboree with Australia. VOA's Gwen Uten tells us more about the draw. 
Sporty greetings, Gwen. Sporty greetings, Sonny. Two years ago, the FIFA Council voted 22 to 13 in favor of Australia and New Zealand's joint bid to host next year's Women's World Cup tournament. FIFA President Gianni Infantino announced the results in 2020 during a public address on FIFA TV in Switzerland and called the new appointment a sign of continued progress for women's football that capitalized on the global success of the 2019 Women's World Cup in France. We experienced these days last year in France a fantastic Women's World Cup, the best Women's World Cup ever, which broke all the records, more than one million spectators in the stadiums, one billion all over the globe, and it has brought women's football to a truly global stage. We want to continue. The 2023 Women's World Cup will be a tournament of firsts. The upcoming global event will showcase an expanded tournament from 24 to 32 teams. And Australia and New Zealand's joint victory marks the first time a Women's World Cup is hosted by more than one country. Following her country's successful campaign in 2020, New Zealand's South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian expressed the mood of the entire nation. I want to really say that Australia and New Zealand will turn it on for the rest of the world and hopefully by 2023 the pandemic will be behind us well and truly and the world will have its eyes focused here uh, on Australia and New Zealand and uh, I couldn't be happier. And New Zealand football CEO Andrew Pragnell says the two nations representing both the Asian and Oceania confederations will further boost the women's game. Uh, we knew that, um, you know, that it was a tournament of firsts. We knew that um, by bringing Oceania and Asia together, we were going to do something that had never been done before and could leave a real legacy. Um, so we thought we had a compelling bid. Uh, and, you know, we, both countries have good, positive reputations within FIFA. And so we, you know, relied on that. Uh, and fortunately, we, we, it came true. The tournament will run next year from July 20th to August 20th. And the draw for Women's World Cup 2023 is set to take place this Saturday in Auckland, New Zealand. 29 of the 32 teams have already qualified for the upcoming tournament. Among them are defending champions USA, who beat the Netherlands 2-0 in the last final and now have a chance to make history as the first team in the competition's history to win the tournament three times in a row. Four African teams, Nigeria, Morocco, Zambia, and reigning African champion South Africa will participate in Saturday's draw. Morocco and Zambia are both making their Women's World Cup debut. And I have to mention more history being made right now at the FIFA Under-17 Women's World Cup in India, where quarterfinal matches are set to get underway. The first two of four matches kick off on Friday when the U.S. will face Nigeria and Germany will meet Brazil. Then on Saturday, Japan is matched against defending champion Spain and Colombia will take on the Serengeti girls of Tanzania who are making their tournament debut. In their historic run, the Serengeti girls have reached the knockout stage of the tournament and coach Bakari Shime says the team's success 
could mark a turning point for women's football back home. Their appearance marks the first time Tanzania has played in a World Cup competition at any level. So big congratulations to the Serengeti girls of Tanzania for making history at the Under-17 Women's World Cup and leaving a mark for their country on the global stage. More World Cup news to come for now. That's all from me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. Checking our World Cup calendar, we're exactly one month from the kickoff of the men's FIFA World Cup in Qatar. On November 20th, Qatar will host Ecuador in the opening match of the International Football Fiesta. And on November 21st, there will be three more World Cup matches. African champion Senegal will play the Netherlands in Doha. Also on November 21st, England will go against Iran. And the USA will play Wales. World Cup fever! And speaking of World Cup fever, another reminder... Check out VOAAfrica.com. At the very top of the page, there's a special section, FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. And that wraps up the October 20th edition of the show. I get it. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.